0: and not replace the church and faith community God has called you to be a part of locally. With that said, engage with us over the next 30 to 40 minutes as we dig into the Word of God proclaimed. about our prayer and what our prayers should be for this church in 2020. And I want this to be a place where we pray God-sized prayers. I'm about to talk about that here shortly. But we pray, just like we talked about last week, we pray to a God who is big enough to take care of it. We don't pray to a small God. So Acts chapter 1 is where we will be today. Acts chapter 1. And um, and if I were to tell you like one of my greatest desires for our church, for you, one of my greatest desires for you and, and, and our elders uh, would say this, our leadership team would say this. And, and just as the elder that's standing on the stage, I, I just want you to know that our greatest desire is that you would get God's godness. That you would get God's godness that that God um, <coughs> is capable and ready and resourceful and loving but but and you hear all these things in church all the time, but oftentimes I think it's we often miss God's godness and so oftentimes we'll look in front of us and say, well this just isn't possible or um there's no way this can happen. And, and my prayer and my honest desires that you would get that God is God. There's none other. There's no other source for these things that we look for. Um, now, and just to give you a little bit of a, a background here um, in Acts, this is post-resurrection. Everybody say resurrection. So... We're going to be in verses six through eight right here in the first chapter of Acts. But so Jesus was born. We just got through Christmas. He, he lived his life. Okay. We've heard lots of things about Jesus' life. And then he dies, right? Um, but the beautiful thing about Christianity that sets it apart from any other religion in the entire world is that he is not dead anymore, right? So he. Resurrects. He comes back to life. Conquers death. And um, he has revealed himself to his disciples. Okay, so have, uh, none of us that I know of have ever seen a dead person come back to life, like out of the grave. Right? I mean, if I, if you have. Come see me after service. It'll be a different type of prayer. But typically, once you get to the grave, that's it. This body is no more. But Jesus walked out of the tomb. Well, at least we think he did. You know, it was kind of a big flash of light. It was it was a miraculous scene, but he goes and he finds his disciples. And um, he's getting ready to ascend, okay? So he's getting ready to go back to heaven to prepare a place for us. To pre- pre- he's, you know that? He's preparing a place for you, for those who love him and, and, and are his. Um, and the disciples, now the disciples have seen his life, they've seen all kinds of things, and this is where we find ourselves. So let's read a little bit Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, and I'll kind of break this down a little bit as we go. And if you want to follow along, there's a fill in a blank in the bulletin that you you can follow along. Okay, verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom. The, the very first thing we can notice here is that the disciples had a small view of what God could do. So, the disciples were a special bunch. Because they never seemed to could get it. They, they, they Do you know people like that? They just, Everything kind of right over the top. This was the disciples. So, and if that's you... You're welcome here because Jesus' 12 friends, they were aloof of everything that's going on here because here he, they've seen all these miracles. They've, they've recognized him as the son of God. He's died. He's come back to life. And they said, okay, Jesus, so when are you just going to get Jerusalem right and get our nation back to a place where, when are you going to take this thing over just right here locally? And... Um, At that moment, I realized I I could kind of, because sometimes I can be a little aloof. I can can kind of miss things from time to time. I I like to see the best in people. Um, And here, it lets me know that these apostles were totally clueless as to what was going on here. They had a small view of what God could do, because here's what they were waiting on. The prophecies had said that um, he's going to come back and he's going to rule. Well, they took that as he's going to conquer and take over from the Romans their rule and, and everything's going to be peachy keen. Right here in Jerusalem, all the Israelites are going to um, be fine. Well, here, they don't get it. In verse 6, they said, hey, so when are, when are you going to get on top of this? And this is Jesus' response. I love this. He says, verse 7, he replied... The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Now, this gives me great comfort, because just because we don't understand doesn't mean God is not sovereign. A lot of us take the position that if we don't get it, God must not get it. And that's just not true. It's just not true. Um... Here, we see that God has authority over all set times. Now, what does this mean? Well, translate it down to you today. What are you walking through? What, what is your family dealing with? And it doesn't have to be good. It could be good. It could be bad. It could be complicated. Anybody ever have a complicated life? From time to time, I got an amen over here in this corner. This is what comforts me. It comforts me that just because what I'm looking at confuses the heck out of me, he's still sovereign. That I don't have to make understanding of all of it. That God has complete understanding. And not only that he has understanding and a better viewpoint, but that he has set those times. That God sets everything into motion. Everything that we walk through has filtered through his sovereign hands. So just because we don't understand does not mean God is sovereign. So let's go on to eight here. But you will receive Power When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Last week we talked about prayer, because I believe prayer is um, not just crucial, because I think... Because I think crucial kind of downplays I think prayer in the Christian life, you cannot live without. I think you will see in your walk with Christ that the less you pray, the less it weaves together. And so on the brinks of talking about prayer, I wanted to talk today about Mission. And that our goal is not just to get saved and warm the pew I'm in, uh, and that's it. No, no, there's more to this. There's more to this. And, and the disciples didn't get it. The disciples were like, okay, Jesus is here. He's going to take care of it. And, and Jesus is saying, listen, number one, I'm sovereign. Number two, I'm going to use you. Because to achieve this mission, God knew they would need some assistance. Now, just the fact that God would use these disciples blows my mind. Blows it completely. Because on repeat in the New Testament, Jesus would do something miraculous. He would do something miraculous um, and then the disciples would try and go do the same thing and they couldn't do it. Jesus would tell parables, and parables are just stories, you know, heavenly, uh, earthly stories with heavenly meetings, okay? And so he would tell these parables, and, and on repeat, these disciples would like, listen to his parable, and then they would get like on the other side of the discussion, everybody's gone home, and they'd be like, Jesus, that made no sense. What are you talking about? This makes no sense to me. These same disciples... Would cower away. So when, when the soldiers came, you had Peter who for a minute like got charged up. He got amped and took a dude's ear off. You, have you ever gotten amped and taken a dude's ear off? No, you have not. Peter did. Now, this same guy that got amped, uh, when it came down and they arrested Jesus, he cowered away and even denied knowing him. So understand, this conversation is happening post all of this, post their failures. These guys were so petty that Jesus preached the entire time that I didn't come to be served, but to serve. That the first shall be last, you know. And and he's preaching all this, and his disciples got in a full-on argument about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Who's going to be next to you, Jesus? Is it going to be me? Do I get that spot? How petty is that, right? Right? These guys are the ones he's giving charge to to spread the gospel. So if you're here this morning and you would say, okay, Pastor Carl, I have nothing to offer you. I just uh, have nothing to offer the Lord. I I can't do what you're asking. Um, Well, almost by definition, these guys were not qualified. They had done everything everything including run away and hide so what did jesus do he says this and this this is this is good this is really good everybody say this is good verse 8 says but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you so what's the difference? How does a guy go from being a coward, scared to death, a liar, aloof, just a complete just failure to a bold, confident witness for the Lord? How does that happen? The Holy Spirit is how that happens. Now, let me, let me back up and punt here real quick because... I come from many backgrounds in in the church world. So in the church world, um, I grew up what they call Pentecostal, okay? People rolling around in the floor, bobby pins flying all over the place. (laughs) Now, for those who have grown up Baptist, that makes no sense. I saw a guy run across the top of the pews one time, the tops of them. Oh, man, it was wild. Michael Michael said, oh, my God. That is dangerous. You better believe it. So I come, I come from a Pentecostal background, but my, my, mom, my mom was raised Southern Baptist. My, my dad was raised Free Will Baptist. There's so many types of Baptists. I've lost count now. I, I don't know how many types of Baptists there are, but there's a lot. And they all believe something just a little bit different. Um, and, and we all believe the same thing about Jesus. Um, they just all operate a little bit independently. But historically speaking... Um. there is one side that is very comfortable with the inner working of the Holy Spirit but very uncomfortable with the external um, fleshing out of the Holy Spirit and then there's one side that is really uber comfortable with the, the experience and the fleshing out and yeah let's see signs and wonders but if they're, they're, they, they might scripturally be a little, uh, I've seen it all. Look, you're looking at me like, yeah, I grew up Pentecostal. I know some really Bible-believing folks, and I, I, I agree with you there. But there, there are some, there are a lot of Pentecostals say, oh, those Baptist people, if you want a good cold place to go sit down, go sit down in a Baptist church. And then if you, you talk to a Baptist, they'll say, oh, those Pentecostal people... They're crazy. They're nuts. What are they doing? And to that I would say both are silly. Because, one, the scripture is very clear on the Holy Spirit and how he works. And so, so there was a, there's a couple, way, couple ways this works. This assistance came in the form of empowerment by the Holy Spirit. And so there was, an, there was first an internal Empowerment. So listen, if you have struggled being a witness, which is what he said that he wants them to do, and you will be my witnesses. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of his life. Witnesses of his resurrection. Witnesses of his power at work. This is your call. Look, this this is not just for the disciples. This is your call. Hey, poke yourself in the chest. This is for you. You are to be his witnesses. And if I'm being very honest today, most of us are poor witnesses from time to time. So if I were to ask you this question, what would you say? If someone were to ask You, if someone were to take just a peek at your life, what are you a witness to? What are you a witness to? And would they say, they might say some other things, like he witnessed an eight point buck at 6 a.m., or she witnessed the bachelor 17 times in a row on a Saturday? There's, there's, lots, there's lots of things we might witness and people might say, but would they say that you are a witness of Jesus? And look, I'm not standing up here in judgment because, look, I don't think guilt produces uh, better people. I don't, I don't think that works. I think guilt and shame... Which is not what Jesus has intended us for guilt and shame, because He removed that on the cross. Yeah. yeah, so I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, because I stand here guilty. But what I am going to say is, if you're not asking yourself that question, I think you're missing out. Because, um, and I think a lot of it is because uh, we maybe can downplay the need of the Holy Spirit internally to empower us for the things God is requiring of us. We need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in and through us. So there was an internal empowerment. But then it was also exampled externally. Externally. You see, you see all through this New Testament church, people being healed, prayers being answered, God-sized things happening through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And when we talk about our mission renewed and what I want to see and what our elders want to see and what I think you should want to see out of Transformation Church in 2020 is a God-empowerment, God-sized move of His Spirit. That the same old, same old is not good enough. I want to see Him move. And not, not, not just in signs and wonders. I want to see the signs and wonders. I want to see people healed. Do you believe he can heal? Do, do you believe he can do what we say he can do? I want to see it. Even more so than we saw in 2019. But the whole point here, and maybe what I'm trying to lean in on you this morning, is that it's your turn. It's our turn. Turn. The reason we're sitting here today is because these 12 brothers empowered by the Holy Spirit were witnesses to what Christ had done and what he is expecting and would ask of you this morning is that you just be a witness to him. You don't have to be some profound or eloquent speaker. God knows I'm not. I'm just crazy that about the Lord and what He has done in me. And I just want to be a witness to what He has done. It is not for us to be quiet. It is not for us to be quiet. So it's our turn. And so I just want to lay out kind of what the Lord has put on my heart for our church for this year. And it's going to take different shape. And there, there's some targets within these. But, but the primary thing is I, the, the number one thing the Holy Spirit has just laid on my heart is that 2020 should be a year for Transformation Church, for you Where we see God-sized things happen. God-sized. And and starting with God-sized multiplication. Um, So, what you you find later here in Acts is is we get over to chapter 2. They're in the upper room because Jesus has said, um, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to empower you for this work. And they're in the upper room, and the Bible says that um, there's a wind that came through uh, tongues of fire, and uh, people began to speak in other tongues. Now, um, I'm not preaching on tongues today, Um, and there's not any tongue-talking classes afterwards. Um, So if you're like, man, I am never coming back to this place. It's okay. Just take it easy. It's not going to get... Weird. It's, um, but it's here. It's here. Right? Okay. I'm not making this up. It, it's right here. We're reading it together. That's why I have you turn there. Because this is just the word of God and its weight on us. So they began speaking in other tongues. Now... These other tongues, when they came out of this room, I don't know if you can picture this or not. I try and picture it. But people were already in town for this festival of Pentecost. They were in town. People from all over the region, people of different dialects and languages. And so these people hear all this ruckus going on in this upper room. These guys come out speaking in tongues. And people heard the gospel, the Holy Spirit speaking to them in their dialect right from where they were. Wow. This is, this is, this is what happened. And the Bible says they multiplied, not by the ones and twos but by the thousands, thousands. Do you know how many people live in Richmond? A lot. Do you know how many of them are unchurched? Uh, Were y'all waiting for a statistic? I I didn't didn't do that much studying. I'm just asking you if you know how many people live here. (laughs) What do y'all think? I'm trying to study scripture. I don't have time to look up. I'm just kidding. I just didn't look it up because I didn't plan on asking this question. But there are, my understanding is, a, a fellow pastor of mine, there are 650,000 unchurched in this area. 650,000 unchurched people right here. There are 650,000 that need to know the Lord. It's not enough to be quiet. It's not enough to be content. To get me and mine and slide through the gates. That's not what we're here for. We're here to be witnesses. Now, we want to see God-sized multiplication, but we also want to see God-sized outreach starting right here in Chesterfield. Let me me tell you, uh, in this time... The disciples, one, they didn't know there was a globe, okay? They didn't have science like they had today. They were very familiar with Jerusalem. And honestly, when they heard this, when Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses telling people everywhere in Jerusalem, they heard that and said, no big deal. This is our hometown. We can handle this. We got it. No problem. But then when he said Judea, which is that whole region. And then he said Samaria, which was the region to the north. And then he said to the ends of the earth. They had no clue how vast and how big this call was. They had no idea. It was a God-sized call. Listen, if we want to achieve God-sized things, we have to believe in a God that's big enough, but then we also have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to get it done. So, And in 2020, everybody say 2020, in 2020, I think we have the exact opposite problem. These disciples were real comfortable with Jerusalem, but they had no idea. It was to to go outside that to people, to Gentiles, to people who had nothing to do with their area of town, that was scary. And honestly, it was dangerous. In 2020, we would much rather go on our PayPal and send money to a missionary to go proclaim the gospel overseas, but we don't want to talk to our neighbors. I'll just sit up here. That's y'all think on that for a minute. Just let that sit in for a second. We're real big on, yeah, let's reach the world Let's 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 reach the world. Let's go um, countries and states away, but we're willing to let our neighbors perish. We're we're willing to let our community um, run off into sin and darkness because that's just too uncomfortable. I always, whenever I talk about this kind of stuff, I always think of Woody Jones. I also think of Bob and Jean Platt because. Um, when Bob and Jean Platt, and, and some of the rest of you might do this, Bob and Jean Platt, when, when they go out to eat, they will ask um, the wait, waiter, waitress, uh, how how can I pray for you today? We're about to pray for our meal. Uh, how can I pray for you? Woody Jones is never off duty when it comes to The mission and proclaiming the gospel. I know because, and I I think I told y'all the story where we went to the car dealership and the brothers basically having an altar call here in this little cubicle at a used car lot. Proximity matters. And I think oftentimes we miss the fact that God has wired, designed, and placed you right where you are to to achieve the mission of God right where you are. You think it's an accident you work where you work or you live where you live or you have the friends that you do? You think that's an accident? No, it is not an accident. God has divinely placed you to be his witness. Right where you are. You don't have to go. Now, God may be calling you. But listen when I say this. God has wired, designed, and placed you where you are. Don't miss that. Don't, don't just think it's an accident or, or let it float over your head like the disciples. Like, when are you going to do this, Lord? God has placed you sovereignly where you are to achieve his mission. The third thing is I, I, I see God-sized prayers happening at Transformation Church. We talked about this a little earlier. And we watched it happen. Did you see what happened at the beginning of this service? We went before the throne of grace and petitioned God for healing. And that is something I've not only seen in his word to, to be true and right, but I've seen it accomplished. God-sized prayers. and So I'm not going to dive too deep into that because we talked about it last week. But if you're praying prayers that are weak and and small-minded, God uh, is much bigger than your prayers. We need to pray God-sized prayers. God-sized prayers. And not quit. Five years in, or not five years, but, uh, well, almost, almost five years in. Four years in, five miscarriages. We could have just stopped praying and said, well, maybe this isn't a God thing. Maybe this, maybe this is just our flesh. No, th- we wanted to pray God-sized prayers, and in two weeks we'll welcome a baby that I believe is an answer to the prayers uh, to a big God. Yeah. God-sized obedience. Number four. I want to see in my life and in your life an obedience that isn't easy, an obedience that is God-sized, an obedience that is sacrificial, an obedience that isn't about me. An obedience that has everything to do with God and his mission. And then lastly, I want to see at Transformation Church in 2020, his power made manifest among us and through us. People don't like silence. You know that? People don't like it. My wife goes to sleep with the TV on. Do you know how many seasons of Grey's Anatomy you can go through when you fall to sleep with the TV running? you wake up and that thing's like, are you still watching? Are you still there? No, I'm asleep. I pause sometimes in my messages to allow the weight of what's being said to not miss you because this is the deal folks. You are the only Jesus some people will ever see. <laughs> when we talk about reaching and growing the body, you know, because we won't we, we rest, can I tell you something, we won't rest. Until these pews are full of Jesus-seeking, hungry souls that come here each week to grow in him and go for him. I don't want to just be the church where everybody enjoys the music and they come because the preacher will give you a good laugh. What is that? What kind of eternal significance is that? Yes, let me tell you something. We have some of the best musicians in Chesterfield up here. These guys are supremely and gifted by God. And I get up here each week. I don't have some big doctorate degree. Here's what I do have. I love the Lord. (laughs) Some of us think that in order to achieve the mission of God in this, this Judea, Samaria, Chesterfield, Virginia, the United States, the nations to achieve it, that you have to have some vast understanding of theology, that you have to have some doctorate, you have to have some type of special experience. No, you just have to know Him and be a witness to Him, to those around you of what He has done. There are many days I fail at this I let opportunities go by That I should have said something But maybe I was too busy That I could have done differently But this year In 2020 I want that to be different That I seize the opportunities That Christ Puts in front of us For God-sized obedience to pray God-sized prayers and see a God-sized impact around us and in this church. That at the end of 2020, I see people healed. That at the end of 2020, we have just a row of baptisms and converts and people who have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we were effective witnesses Not effective preachers, not effective theologians, effective witnesses. Don't miss it. It doesn't take much. And it it could be as simple as asking your waiter or waitress at the end of this service. Because I know that's where you're going. Unless you're having pizza, I'm not waiting on you. You can get it yourself. But it could start in this parking lot. It could start at Wawa across the street. It could start at the restaurant. It could start at your family reunion the next time you go. Don't avoid the family reunion. Go. They need to hear you. Well, they need to hear the gospel, maybe not you. I want to pray for you today. I think the beginning of the service, we had the best altar call we could have. So I'm not going to, invite anybody up but here's what i will say i want you to think about how you can be a better witness at your school amongst your friends don't dodge don't dodge the conversation throw jesus into it throw jesus in to the conversations it'll look different across the board i was um uh at the Wawa at Spring Run and Hole Street. I was at the Wawa at Spring Run and Hole Street. It's always busy. I'm sitting here uh, pumping my gas. Have you ever heard? I'm pumping my gas, and the guy on the other side of the tank was uh, having a very colorful argument with someone on the phone. Colorful, and I'm nosy. I don't. You may not be I'm nosy, so I'm like on the other side of the pump like, Like this guy is a mess, you know Um, And I started to just get in my 94 Buick and take off And and I kind of, I heard him throw his cell phone into his uh, I think it was a Dodge truck he was filling up And uh, it was probably the creepiest thing And if I was standing back, I don't It it may have been a little creepy, but I kind of, I got I kind of went around the door. I kind of, cause I was gonna get in my car. I went around the door to my Buick. <laughs> kind of just leaned around right over the trash can. I was like, "Hey, bro, just, just wanted you to know that the Lord loves you, and He sees you right here at this gas pump. He sees you right here. And this, this big. I mean, he was an ugly dude. I mean, he was. He. Oh, is that not okay to say? I'm sorry. Uh, Forgive me. I, I'm. St- he's still working on me, folks. I'm sorry. This big old, just redneck looking. He saw tears just a well up in his eyes. He began to tell me about him and his wife and how they, they've been trying to work it out, but it's not working out. And I went. Ar- I, fi- I finally went around the gas pump because at this point, um, I needed him to know that. I wasn't just that Christian that's gonna throw a track in his face and run away. And I stood there and I prayed with this man at this gas pump. Didn't have any church business cards. I didn't throw a bunch of scripture at him. I just said the Lord sees you right where you are. And that was it. That was it. I don't know where I don't know who he was, where he was, where he was going. But that's all it takes. Now, some of you aren't confrontational like that. You would have been done, God, in the Buick and ran, and probably been scared that something was about to happen at the gas pump that you didn't want to be a part of. But maybe the next time you're on the phone with that unsaved loved one, you might make mention of Jesus. Maybe you might invite them to church. I don't know what it looks like, but I want 2020 to be a year that we look back and said 2020 God used Transformation Church and this family here to cause an impact that rippled throughout Chesterfield. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.